Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord that he has enabled us to come back to minister to you uh, in the word of life, in the word of the living Christ. And uh, I am Pastor Dennis. This is the Freedom Streams program whereby we bring to you the flowing of the living word in a practical and experiential way for your revelation, for your insight, for your knowledge. And uh, when I talk about knowledge here, I talk about the experiential experiential knowledge. We have been talking about Christ and his passion. And we have considered Christ's passion in the Godhead. We shall now go on in the same message, in this message, to see Christ's passion in the divine economy. Because we have been seeing him. Who is this Christ in the Godhead? But now, we are going to see this Christ in his divine economy, in the divine plan. See, the aspects of Christ's passion in the Godhead are deep, but the aspects of Christ's passion in the divine economy are even deeper. We are going to see his aspects today, see him as we enjoy him in our day-to-day life. Uh, That is our part B in the divine economy. That means that part A was Christ and his person in the Godhead. But now we are going to see Christ and his person in the divine economy. We shall begin with our question. What is the divine economy? What is the divine economy? Now, the divine economy is God's household management. God's household administrative arrangement. The divine dispensation. When you come to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 15 to 16, you see that God's household administration, which is to dispense Himself into His children so that He may have a household, the church, to express Himself. This is His divine arrangement. This is His divine plan. This is His divine dispensation. Now, you see that we use the word economy. In English, the word economy is anglicized from the Greek word called oikonomia. Oikonomia which is composed of two words that is oikos meaning house and nomos meaning law. That means that oikonomia refers to the house arrangement. It refers to household management. It refers to administration. So when you see we hear about economy, God's economy, uh, the same as God's plan. It is, we are talking about the oikonomia, which is God's household arrangement, God's household management, God's administration. So the word denotes the management and distribution of the wealth, uh, the wealth of a rich household. For example, uh, God is so rich and wealthy. In his household, there is a lot of riches. So he needs to manage them, to distribute them to his household. I talk about uh, the household, I mean that in the house, there is a lot of things, even people, even things. So when we go back in the Old Testament, Joseph in the Old Testament 
Example, he was the administrator of Pharaoh's house. Now, Pharaoh's house was so rich that he could supply other nations with the food. And Joseph was now a dispenser. Joseph was a distributor of food. So there was the need of some management, some administration in order to distribute riches of Pharaoh's house. Now when you see this illustration, it helps us to see the oikonomia, the household management, the distribute uh, is to distribute and dispense the riches of the house. So this is what oikonomia, all economy is all about. Now, with that good picture of Joseph, we see that our father has a great house with a vast store of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And this great house needs some administration, some management to dispense all these riches into God's people for the producing of the church as a corporate expression of the triune God. So, God's economy Therefore, is his household administration to dispense himself in Christ into his chosen people so that he may have a house, a household, express himself. Which household is the church, which is also the body of Christ. So, in this message, in this message especially, we need to see Christ in his divine economy. So in the divine plan of God, Christ number one is God is anointed. God is anointed. Whatever he is in his plan, in his economy, is for our enjoyment, for our experience. So in the divine economy, Christ is God is anointed. A Messiah. Concerning this, when you come to John 1.41, says that he found first his own brother Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. So Messiah is a Hebrew word, and whereas Christ is a Greek word. So both they mean the anointed. Christ is God, is anointed. The one appointed by God to accomplish God's purpose, his eternal plan. Praise the name of the Lord. So, in John chapter 20, verses 31, we see that Jesus is Christ, Son of God. And these have, the Bible says in John 20, 31, these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So, the Christ is the title of the Lord according to his office his mission and the son of God is his title according to his person is the son of God to be the Christ of God Matthew chapter 16 we see that Peter received a revelation from the father concerning Jesus in the Christ and you know that prior to this chapter Lord had been with his disciples for a period of time and during this time, they came to him uh, and uh, to know him rather well. Remember, they, one day he took the disciples, these disciples, far away from the holy city and the holy temple to, to, to Caesarea Philip. Remember, in Matthew 16, 13, 
there he asked them a question who do men say the son of man is Matthew 16:13 he replied Sam John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others Jeremiah so one of the prophets that is when you read verse 14 all these verses and all these answers rather we, we see that they were according to natural religious mentality we are answering uh, basing on the natural mentality the religious mentality the Lord then directed the question to them if people call me that according to their religions what about you who are following me Yes, but you who do you say that I am then Peter declared you are the Christ the son of the living God that is in verse 16 and here we see that uh, Peter mentions the word Christ this is so important its importance is that it is explained as follows Christ is the anglicized word from the Greek word Christos Christos in Greek in English is called Christ which is equivalent to a Hebrew word Messiah now as we have indicated both Messiah in Hebrew and Christos in Greek they mean the anointed one and the term Messiah the anointed one is used in Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 which says that after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. This refers to Christ Jesus, who is the anointed one. Praise the name of the Lord. So, according to the Old Testament principle, we see that anyone used by God to carry out his administration had to be anointed. We see that the kings, the priests, the prophets were all anointed when they came into function. So this indicates that the anointing is for the carrying out of God's administration. For the carrying out of God's main administration, his economy, and Christ is God's anointed to carry out work, the administration. So the title Christ refers to Lord's commission. His commission is to accomplish God's eternal purpose. So through his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and second advent, that is second coming, when this anointed one was crucified, he was carrying out his function as the Christ, not only in his death, but also in his resurrection, even in his ascension. See, these were part of his function as the Christ. So therefore we see that Christ, the anointed one, carried out his function through crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, so that God may dispense himself into us for the producing of the church. And we see that from this, we see that the Lord is the anointed one to accomplish God's purpose, dispense himself into our lives. Praise the name of Jesus. We see that it is through this function of Christ, the anointed one, that the triune God is dispensed into us for the producing of a church. So as the anointed one by God, we see that Christ is the appointed one. His appointment is related to his commission. 
Christ has been appointed. Christ has been appointed to carry out the intention of God. Appoint the one that appointed him. So we see that God has anointed him. Is the Messiah. Christ has been commissioned by God to carry out the desire of God's heart. Praise the name of the Lord. So this is why he's called the anointed one as uh, one of his uh, commissioning aspect. So we continue with the second um, aspect which is the one having the preeminence in all things. One that has the preeminence in all things. Now in the divine economy Christ is the one having the preeminence in all things. And the book of Colossians reveals that Christ is preeminent. That he has the first place in everything. Preeminence mean, means that he has is above. He is above all. He has the first place in everything. He is preeminent. When you read Colossians 1.18 it says that and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning um, firstborn from among the dead that he might have the first place in all things which is preeminence he must have the first might have the first place so both in the first creation and in the uh, new creation Christ occupies the first place in Colossians 1.15 we are told that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. When God was creating universe, Christ was the first creation. This is going to disturb most of the people because they say no, Christ cannot be created. That is, he's having the first place in the creation. In that when God started creating, he first created his son. Well as his son is God, but even in creation, it was to be first. It was to have the preeminence. So, in verse 18, we have seen that he's the firstborn among the dead. When you read Colossians 1.18, he's the firstborn among the dead. That means that in the new creation of God, and this new creation of God is by resurrection. So, he's the firstborn in resurrection. That is in the new creation. Whereas, we have seen that he's the firstborn among all creation, meaning the old creation. So for Christ to be preeminent in the new creation means that he is the first in resurrection. Someone will say, ah, ah, it, Lazarus resurrected first. No. I don't talk about before Christ's death on the cross. So Lazarus' resurrection was a sign to prove that Jesus has the power and the authority to give life. He is life and resurrection. He had to demonstrate that. But when we talk about to be resurrected and uh, lives forever, Christ is the one that has the preeminence. Praise the name of Jesus. So, that Christ is the first both in creation and in resurrection. And it, this means that he is the first both in the old creation, the universe, and in the new creation, which is the church. So the universe is the environment in which the church exists as the body of Christ to express Christ. 
So Christ is the first not only in the church, the body, but is also first in the environment, in the universe where the church is. And this means that he is first. He is preeminent in everything. So, we need to see that in the divine plan, Christ occupies the first place, the place of preeminence in both the old creation and the new creation. And both in the universe and in the church, Christ is the preeminent one. If we see this as a vision, not as a mere doctrine, our living and our church life will be revolutionized. It will change. We shall realize that in all things, Christ must be first. When we say that Christ has the preeminence, he wants to be first in your marriage, first in your finances. When you get money, let Christ be first. When you marry, let Christ be first. So everything, do business, do whatever you're doing, Christ is the first. He must be the first in our married life. He must be the first in our family life. He must be the first in our business business life. He must be the first in our school life. That's why even when you wake up, let Christ be the first. So, he must have the preeminence in the universe, in the church, and even in every aspect of our daily living. Glory to Jesus. So, once you see such a vision, it will motivate you to make Christ raise number one. In Colossians 1.18, Paul has said that, uh, concerning Christ, that he might have the first place in all things. Now, in the Bible, to be the first is to be all. Because Christ is the first, both in the universe and in the church, he must be all things in the universe. He must be all things in the church. Now, as the first he is all, God's way of counting in this matter is different from ours. According to our estimation, if Christ is the first, then something else should be the second, third, and others in sequence. But when you come to God's point of view, for Christ to be the first means that he is all. There is no the second, there is no third. In Christ is first is all things. Oh, the first Adam included not only Adam as an individual, but included all of mankind, remember. Adam was the first man, but he had all mankind. To be first is to be all. And in the same principle, in the sight of God, the firstborn of the Egyptians included all Egyptians. When God killed the first, the firstborn of Egypt, the Egyptians, he killed all Egyptians. So, the firstborn includes all. So therefore, for Christ to be the firstborn in the universe means that he is everything in the universe. And in the same manner, for Christ to be the firstborn in resurrection means that he is everything in resurrection. So for Christ to be the firstborn, both of the old creation and of the new creation, means that he is everything both in the old creation and in the new creation. This corresponds to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 11, where he says that in the new man, 
in the new creation there cannot be greek and jew circumcision and uncircumcision barbarian scythian slave free man but christ is all and christ is in all in other words in the new man which is the new creation which is uh, the church christ is all christ is jews christ is greeks christ is circumcision christ is uncircumcision Christ is barbarian, Christ is Scythian. So there is, we don't need them because Christ is all. Don't need the differences because Christ is in everything and is everything. So in the new man, Christ is everyone. Christ is in everyone. In the new man, Christ is everyone. Christ is, in, is a Ugandan, Christ is a Kenyan, Christ is a, you see, Christ is a, that tribe of yours. He is everyone. So there should not not be difference in the body of Christ because Christ is everything. So, uh, in the new creation, there is room only for Christ. God doesn't want to see any other person. He wants to see Christ in you. He wants to see Christ in every one of us. Because Christ is all things. Because to be first is to be all. Praise the name of Jesus. So, let me try to uh, take you unto the third aspect, which is the head and the center of all things. Christ is the head and the center of all things. So in the divine economy, we see that Christ is the head and the center of all things. Ephesians 1.22 says, And he subjected all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So we see that here God has seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenlies, subjected all things under his feet, and made him head over all things to the church. So here we see that the headship over all things has been given to Christ as a gift from God. And this does not mean that God gave Christ to the church as a gift. No. It means that God gave Christ a gift, a headship over all things. This was the gift. And according to his, uh, this understanding, a great gift was given to Christ by God. And this great gift was a headship over all things. Here we have a little word to, to the church. Now, in, in, in Ephesians 1.22, it signifies that the identification and oneness of the church with Christ, Christ is the head over all things, but to the church, which is his body. In other words, whatever Christ is heading up, the church is benefiting. Ephesians 1.10 says that, unto a dispensation of the fullness of time, to head up all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on earth in him. So we have seen that God has made Christ ahead over all things. So through all the dispensations of God in all ages, all things will be headed up in Christ, in the new heaven and the new earth. This will be God's eternal administration and economy. And here the Greek word rendered dispensation in this verse of Ephesians 1.10 may also be translated economy. Economy or the dispensation 
which God purposed in himself is to head up all things in Christ at the fullness of times. So we see that the entire universe is under Christ's heading up. We see that everything in the universe is under Christ's heading up. However, many things are still in a state of collapse because the process of heading up of all things in Christ has not yet been completed. Some animals are still rebellious. Some people are still not uh, like they're still rebellious. Some nations, things have not yet headed up in Christ in that the heading up process is not yet complete. But at the, the economy of the fullness of times, everything will be headed up in Christ. Nothing will continue to be in a state of collapse. Nothing will, will continue to fall. In Christ, God will head up all things and this is what God is going to be doing in Christ as the head of all things. Ephesians 1.10 indicates that in the divine economy, Christ is not only the head of all things, but is also the center of all things. Christ is the center of the heading up of all things in himself. Here we may use a hub of a wheel. If you have ever uh, rode a bicycle, it has got a wheel, and the wheel has got spokes that are uh, spokes that are gathered and uh, collected and pointing to the hub of a wheel. If you see that picture, is what I'm talking about. The hub is the center of a wheel in which all the spokes subsist. If you know the bicycle, the, the bicycle tire has got a hub which is a center. Here all the spokes uh, they are pointing from the wheel to the, to the hub. So, if the hub is removed, that means that the spokes would collapse. They cannot be strong enough to, to support the wheel. So the hub means that the hub is the center of the subsistence of the spokes. So we may say that as the center of all things, Christ is the hub of all things. In him, all things subsist. This is what Colossian has said, Colossian uh, 1.17. Read that verse lastly. Colossian one. 17 Bible says that and he is before all and by him all things consist that is the Derby translation by by him all things he consist uh, he says that uh, the Derby says that and he is before all and all things subsist together by him is the name of Jesus so everything subsists, meaning that Christ is the hub, supports all things, is the center of God's economy, is the center of God's plan. Now, I believe you are enjoying as well as learning something. I want you to stick with us as we enter into the details of this wonderful Christ in the divine economy. May the Lord bless you. This is Pastor Dennis, Freedom Experience Ministry. Uganda.